0: The blast from our past network. Hey everybody, Corey here. Before we get into this awesome interview with Caleb Emery, I wanted to give a huge thank you to all of our Patreon members who helped make this episode and every episode possible by helping to keep the lights on in the studio. We appreciate all the love and support you guys have given us since day one, essentially. It's quite impressive, actually, so thank you guys and gals. If you want to hear more of our exclusive interview series titled Interviews After Dark where we have discussions with uh, amazing people like Richard Band, Tom Holland, the director of Fright Night, Jonathan Stark who played Billy Cole in Fright Night. We also have Stephen Jeffries who played Evil Ed in Fright Night. We're just making our way through Fright Night pretty much but there's actually a lot more. We have uh, Tom Matthews from Friday 13th and uh, Return of the Living Dead. We also have director Stephen Kostansky. We have actors John Philbin. We also have Jeanette Goldstein, who played Vasquez in Aliens. She was also the stepmom in Terminator 2. We've talked to actor Zach Ward, who was Scott Farkas in A Christmas Story. Director slash producer Brian Usna. Diane Franklin. Tony Timpone, the longtime editor of Fangoria Magazine. And many more to come. So if you swing on by our Patreon page, that's patreon.com slash podcasting after dark. You will find all of these interviews plus our monthly wrap up after dark show as well as ad free versions of each episode and other bonus stuff like unboxing videos and everything. So please swing on by our Patreon if you like what you hear here and there's a whole lot more. So thank you all again for your love and support. It means a huge deal to both of us. So thank you. And now Caleb Emery.
1: Welcome to our Patreon-exclusive interview series for Podcasting After Dark, with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Tonight's interview is with the star of Summer of 84, Hunters, and Good Girls, Caleb Emery. Caleb Emery, thank you so much for being on Podcasting After Dark.
2: Yeah, thank you guys for having me.
1: This is really exciting for Corey and I because um, I don't know if you're familiar with our show, but we we take a movie uh, from our childhood. Typically, we take a movie from our childhood that we weren't allowed to watch as kids and break it down <laughs> scene by scene. And most of them involve gore, uh, sometimes involve some nudity, but almost always are shocking in some way. And then earlier this month, Corey and I said, but "Let's. Why don't we talk about some current movies that we really dig, that we consider, uh, you know, films that are going to be remembered for some for some time to come?" And Corey uh, broke down the film *Color Out of Space*, directed by Richard Stanley, and uh, and then I chose *Summer of '84* because I absolutely love this movie, and more specifically, I love you and your character (laughs) Uh, and and so after we broke down the film i said to Corey, i'm like you know we gotta let's see if we can get caleb on our show because i I honestly feel like you are one of uh, you are you are a breakthrough actor for me i I every time you come on the screen i go wow this guy i want to see more of this guy because he's so damn good so sincerely it's a pleasure having you on
2: i really appreciate that that was very nice of you to say uh (laughs) I love Summer Ready for and uh, yeah, that was super nice. I was kind of that's that's good to hear. I'm glad <laughs> I made that well. impression on you.
0: <laughs> well and and just to you know reiterate, um, it seems that, you know, uh, uh, the people, everyone online that, that listened to the review and everything, everyone really, really enjoys that movie. Uh, just like Zach said, really enjoys your character. Um, but the, the one word that that sort of comes up a lot is haunted. We were all haunted (laughs) by, by the ending of that movie. And, uh, you know, it's such a, a gut wrencher, but, it would not have been a gut-wrencher if we all didn't just freaking love woody so much and and obviously yeah. that's because of of your acting in uh, the character and everything um just but yeah so just wanted to just echo that praise and when we watched it for the movie for the show was the first time that i'd ever seen it and i was just blown away but i, I told my wife this is Not a movie I can watch, you know, too frequently. Like it, it hurts too (laughs) much in my gut. Um, But, but that's that's a testimony to how good that movie is.
2: Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, that's the. I mean, when I got the script for it, and um, they wanted me to play Woody, I knew it was the responsibility at that point to make sure people loved Woody and loved that character so much and cared until the end of the film. So, I'm glad we portrayed that correctly and uh, got you guys hurting a little bit there
1: <laughs> well you have a tendency to do that with a couple of your roles because um when you popped up on hunters i was like yes yeah. oh my god booty hole uh which is a fantastic name by the way um <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, I it is that's great
1: <laughs> but uh, but you know and not to spoil it i guess too much for anyone who hasn't watched it you're uh you have a very similar outcome in, in some ways and I was like, wait a minute, don't be that guy who who you, you just root for in every series and then suddenly, oh, you know.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that one hurt, too, because I love the show Hunters as just um, a viewer. I think that show's great. Oh, it's
1: fantastic, um, yeah.
2: And then being a part of it was even more. So, yeah, when I when I read that for the first time, too, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> but it's, no. it's seriously a great show, and I'm glad that I got to play that character because – hearing people's reaction to the the show a lot of times the the same essence that people get from summer 84 they bring to that and they're like we loved you so much
1: well you just you have a quality about you that um i think is um really like i said stands out and also uh, is, is very unique um but you are I mean, <laughs> I think this is kind of a trip for Corey and I because we're both in our 40s, and I'm like, oh, Caleb is like in his 20s, tw- he probably doesn't remember the 80s or at all.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm, about to turn 27 so i wasn't in the 80s i I know man i was an early 90s kid (laughs) no
0: it's a trip (laughs) (laughs) and and, which is interesting because one thing that was really cool about summer of 84 uh you know like i feel like stranger things as much as we love it it kind of like tries to to show you how cool it is by all the 80s stuff that it can remember whereas summer of 84 and we, we remarked on this on the show it, it didn't try to make you remember the 80s, it just felt like it was in the 80s. And it didn't try to like say, oh guys, this is the 80s, holy moly. It's like, no, this story just takes place in the 80s and everything is just in the 80s, you know? And, and that was one thing we absolutely, Loved about it, but you, you know, have no nostalgic attachment uh, to the '80s. Uh, did you do anything to like sort of get prepared for it, or just say, okay, I'll just let the production design sort of dictate, you know, what I'm doing and everything?
2: Yeah, I mean, to touch on what you said, it the movie didn't really try to push you like to be like, oh, this is the '80s, this is the '80s, this <laughs> is the '80s. Like, it was more of the whole feel of like trying to bring people that remembered the '80s. Kind of back to that feeling of being a kid in the summer and being like, well, what else do we have to do? Type thing. Yeah. So um, that's that was kind of the feel they were pushing for instead of pushing just 80s down your throat. Um, as far as like research goes, I, I researched as much as I could about the 80s um, and did a lot of like music research and listened to a lot of 80s music and just gotten a feel of like what that was like. And when we signed on to do the movie, they sent us a whole. Like packet basically about everything in the 80s because I was the oldest out of the four guys and I still wasn't from the 80s so uh, I had that and then you know my parents uh, grew up in the 80s so I had a lot of talks with them and asked them about things and uh, asked them if I had questions about the scripts I'd be like well what would you guys like how would it feel out in the 80s for that so I was able to get a little research done
1: are you saying it's, that it's, we could be your parents? Is that what
0: you're saying?
2: <laughs> um, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> right. I,
0: I just love that there's some like PA that had the job of like, here, put together this packet to just yeah. really, like in one packet, here's what the 80s was all about. And I would just sit there and be like, oh my God, what do I put in that? You know?
2: <laughs> yeah. Because the 80s were just, a
0: wild time.
2: <laughs> yeah. You got stuck with the task of having to send a bunch of like teenagers. A packet about twenty years ago. <laughs> this is Corey Feldman. This is Corey Haim. These are called. There the were two Corries, <laughs> <laughs> and now you know three. No, uh,
1: yeah. No, I think that I think that is. First of all, I want that job. Um, yeah. and, and I love that the nostalgia train is in the '80s right now. But 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 you being a child of the late '90s, which is such a trip. Um, you got started in acting, well, relatively new, right? I mean, the past less than ten years.
2: Yeah, I started acting probably in 2011, maybe 12. Um, I was just coming out of high school, so that's when I kind of jumped on the love for filmmaking. It started with the love of filmmaking before really acting got involved. Okay. I was never like a childhood actor. Um, But yeah, I got into the, the love of filmmaking, and I just loved the whole process and loved everything you could do. And... From there on, like I, I, kind of fell into acting, and then just started to love it, and didn't want to go back.
1: Are you from uh, what part of the country are you from? I'm originally from Florida. Okay. Okay. So, so you were in Florida, and then you're like, oh, this is I'm gonna give this a shot, basically, right?
2: Yeah, I, I was. Um, I was in Florida, kind of. You know that that time when you are about to graduate high school, and everyone's like, well, what are you gonna do?
1: Yeah.
2: With the rest of your life now. And didn't really know, didn't have any, like, I wasn't a big school guy. I wasn't, wasn't a big fan of like book learning. (laughs) So I, uh, I kind of fell this, found this like love of filmmaking through a class that we had in high school. And then after high school, I was like, well, why don't I start taking some acting classes and just seeing if I like it? And then once I started doing that, it kind of like all fell into place in a weird way. Like had a good teacher had, just a great class around me. And then they hooked me up with some really good agents and it just one thing after another.
1: Wow. That's what, what, what movies, uh, opened up that world to you where you're like, wow, this is a trip. I really want to do stuff like this.
2: Well, to be honest, one of my favorite acting genres to do is comedy. Mm -hmm. Um, and so when I watched super (laughs) bad for like one of the first times and, really watched like Jonah Hill and his character I was like I could do that like not taking away from Jonah Hill I love Jonah Hill and yeah, I yeah. Think he's incredible but like I was like I could play a character like that like that's not far off from who I am like I was like it's, it's just I have the same sense of humor like I was like I could portray that character just as well so it was like movies like that and and in that genre of comedy that I was like I I won't like kind of have this itch to make other people laugh. And I've always been like an entertainment type. Like I've always liked to entertain and be funny and class clowns type stuff. Yeah. So when I saw that, I was like, I, I could do this on a bigger scale than just uh, being the class clown. That's so, awesome. Yeah.
1: Side note. Um, uh, I'm, I'm down here in LA, but years ago uh, in West Hollywood, I think it was, might've been Halloween. Uh, Jonah, Stumbled out of a, a bar slash restaurant and, uh, and a big smile on his face and he's and this is right after Superbad came out and he's taking pictures with people and he's like look guys look guys do, does anyone want me to do the scenes from Superbad right now because he goes I'm feeling so good right now I I will do whatever you want you don't even have to pay me so and I was like I want that's that amazing yeah yeah so um, but yeah you early on in your career you I mean you got. You had did some comedy, and obviously, and and you've had quite a few like little, um, you know, little stints here and there, like s- side characters or, or smaller characters. And like Scream Queens was a, uh, you know, I, I checked out your specifically your stuff in Scream Queens. Um, yeah, which I I think that series was pretty damn good in my opinion. Yeah, I enjoyed it.
2: Yeah, it, it was. Uh, Ryan Murphy did a great job in that one. Did
1: so it was, but your first acting gig. Was that your first, or you were doing some like a TV movie
2: or like something normal? Was that your first big one? My first big film that I ever did, I think, was Goosebumps.
1: Okay, I'm yeah. crediting mm-hmm.
2: Goosebumps for that one because I, I think I did some little ones here and there before that, but Goosebumps was like the first theatrical, like blockbuster type film that I did.
1: I mean, that movie's pretty pretty big, and I, I love how you're credited as Dumb Jock. <laughs> but uh... <laughs>
2: yeah. there was a whole thing. And, and there's a whole thing in goosebumps where like when they were filming the movie, they had two, almost like two separate scripts we were filming at the same time. So they had the storyline that came out in theaters where it kind of followed that love romance between the two leads. And then there was another storyline that followed him, the lead going into like school and that whole world Okay, where my character, dumb jock, um, was played the best friend of like the main antagonist in the school. So uh I had a lot more I mean I filmed the movie for almost 3 months. Wow. And wow. I was if you watch the film you would go why would that take you 3 months to film that stuff? And it was because we filmed a ton of other stuff. And we filmed basically another hour and a half worth of a movie wow. that never went on on the film. So yeah, it was it was a crazy experience working one of my first days, if if you've seen the movie, at the end of the film, you see me in like a full body cast, yeah, basically. And it's, I don't know what, I don't remember exactly what they show. I think they just show like the top half of me, but I had like leg cast on, like full chest arm cast, a neck brace, like a head cast, this whole thing. And so I couldn't move out of a wheelchair. Wow. And the first day I get there, they roll me in in a wheelchair under the set and Jack Black comes over and sits next to me while we're waiting and just has a full-on conversation with me. <laughs> like, that was the first person I really met and me and him just, like, hit it off and just sat there and talked for, like, an hour. Oh, what, a, what, awesome. a, what a
1: trip that must be for you. Like, you, you, you kind of, pretty early in your career, you you jump into a movie that was considered a blockbuster, you know, uh, the Goosebumps. Yeah. And, and obviously, Corey and I are both, fans of the books and were kids when they came out <clears throat> um, so <laughs> or teenagers I guess but here it is you know coming out and and you're in something that is pretty huge that must have been overwhelming in a, in a good way
2: yeah when, when I started my career in Florida I, I spent a lot of time driving from Orla- like north of Orlando up to Atlanta Georgia where a lot of these films would do their like local casting yeah and I remember going up for goosebumps and literally was a one-line audition and I got a call back and I went up there and you you walk into this room and it it was one of my first you know big auditions and big callbacks ever so I was super nervous was like sick the night before and went up there and uh, when when I went to the opening line I had to scream and then I had to say this line But when I screamed in the audition, I blanked, and I forgot my line completely. Oh, no. And I remember walking out of it, and I'm like, what an idiot. I was like, you can't think of the one line you were supposed to say. You spent weeks trying to audition for this thing, and you have one line, and you screw it up. And I was like, there's no way I'm getting that movie. I just ruined it. And I get home, and a couple days later, get a phone call from my agent saying that they offered me the role. Wow. And I like I don't think it ever set in until probably a month into shooting that I was filming <laughs> the movie you know, the movie Goosebumps. And in the meantime, R. L. Stein like tweeted me and which was wild. Yeah. And like it it just all kinda was a blur the entire time.
0: <laughs> you're sitting there sitting next to Jack Black and you're like, this isn't happening. This isn't really happening right now.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's sitting there, and, like, Jack Black is is incredible, and he, he doesn't really, he doesn't talk much business if you're sitting there talking about acting. He was strictly talking about music, and just, yeah. like, he would ask me about a song, and then he would sing it, and then just, like, <laughs> play air guitar for, like, five minutes, and then, like, keep talking about something else.
0: All while you were sitting there immobile.
2: Yeah. Oh, I'm sitting in a full body cast. Can't move. And you're like, I can't, dude, like, even drink my own water.
1: Yeah, Can you give me a Coke?
2: So <laughs> I'm almost if I can recall correctly, I'm pretty sure that he actually did hand me a drink with a straw and like. <laughs> held it while i drank out oh, of it. <laughs> <laughs> which which was one of my first impressions of jack black and i'm like this dude's incredible i'm like i can't work with anyone better than this guy
1: yeah he is that's I, amazing i i had an opportunity to meet him uh at, a, at a, a, a private event years ago and and not not to say i was not in a body cast but i will say that <laughs> i had a, a interaction with him that was very positive and i l- stepped back and i went you know what this this is this is one of those moments where you look at someone that you, you kind of idolize in a way and you really look up to because of, of just his talents and he didn't let you down, you know, versus, uh, you know, Hey kid, what do you want? Kind of thing. So yeah, 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 that's cool, man. That's a really, that's an awesome story. Yeah. You've, uh, yeah, and
2: he, he did the same thing when the premiere was like, I don't know, almost over a year after we finished filming and he came right up to me at the premiere and talked to me like he, like a year hadn't even passed. And I'm like, how in the world does this guy remember some kid from Florida that had a small role in his big movie and the day that he's like bombarded with media has time to come over and say hi and do a little, like, I think Snapchat at the time. I'm like, (laughs) this guy's a good guy.
0: (laughs) Well, that's a, that's a testimony to his, his amazing character. It is. And
1: it's also a testimony to the fact that you uh, leave an indelible impression on people. You know, yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, looking at your credits, which you have so many, whether it's a small role or a big role, uh, for the past five years have been pretty off the charts. It's, it's remarkable, uh, from, you know, vice principals and Logan lucky and fist fight, which is totally, um, you know, like a, a remake of three o'clock high. I don't know if you've ever seen <laughs> that movie by the way. Yeah. Uh, and if you haven't, you should, cause it's fantastic. But, uh, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> But then you, we finally get to not that long ago, and I want to go back to summer of '84, if that's okay, because like yeah. I said, Corey and I just—oh mm. man, I was so excited to share that movie with Corey, and then he did watch it, and I was hoping that he would uh, appreciate it for what for the same reasons I did. And and uh, fortunately, he did. Um, and 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 that film is unique in many ways. But one, you have three
2: directors for that movie, right? Yeah, we did. So how did that? How does that work? Well, RKSS, their film previous to Summer of '84 was Turbo Kid, which is great, um, yeah. which A is film incredible. we both love. Yeah. yeah, especially if you're in the vein of you know Summer '84 and that genre, you would love Turbo Kid. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, they're they're great. I mean they they all kind of had their certain jobs, and it's it's funny because two of them are brother and sister, and then the other one's married to the sister. Okay. Mm. Oh, cool. So. <laughs> It's like a weird family dynamic they got going. Um, and they're all from Quebec, so they, they speak French. So they would have, like, one of them was really good with English, and then two of them were not so great with English, so he'd kind of translate anything that they wanted to say that they couldn't, like, find the words for. <laughs> and so we would. he was, like, kind of our point person. Um, and then the other two were just I, – I always said – um that the the lady the the sister wife that sounds weird sister wife no, <laughs> um, it's,
1: it's like the wachowski brothers uh with yeah no
2: her name was a nook she i say she was the boss
1: okay
2: um because i feel like every time she talked they both listened which might just be because she was the only woman in the group but and men are smart now they listen <laughs> fortunately um, <laughs> for the most part so but Hopefully. she they were they were all just really good it, it it did get confusing sometimes because you would you'd have a question about something and you you would ask one but then they'd have to talk to each other and then like but they they really handled it really really well clearly so, so
0: it's almost like so they direct the movie as a whole but then they disseminate out like who sort of interacts with who and then you know you're you know someone one of the three could also be interacting with the production design and stuff yeah that's interesting because we i mean that was one of the things we were very curious about you know behind the scenes is like one person just directing the actors is one person kind of like directing the look of it like how that all kind of uh went down but it sounds like it's a very collaborative effort on between the three of them did they yeah, did they yeah. allow input for from from the actors as well, what, how you think oh, your characters should handle things?
2: For sure, they were very like receptive to what we would bring to the table, and um, yeah, they, they they all did very well with with handling their jobs and then listening to us because we we had such different dynamics coming into it. Like I'm, I was this actor coming out of L.A. We had another kid, Judah, Lew- um, Judah Lewis, mm-hmm. was doing great as well at the time in his career. And so, like we all, even as young people, had um, a good feel for what we wanted out of our characters. And so, with how they would break it down, like they knew what they needed technically from us, um, and then they kind of would allow us to get, give us like give our own opinion and like really be able to bring this character like Woody out of me to how I felt. Because there was multiple times where I remember being like, once I deep dove into woody and like really started living like that character i was like i don't i wouldn't say this here like i i wouldn't or i wouldn't do this like that's not who woody is like Mm. he he would do more there's a scene where like i remember we had a big talk about when i came through the window when we were breaking into mackie's house
1: i was just thinking about that actually
2: (laughs) yeah and there's there's this moment where like you think that i'm gonna leave him and stay outside, but yep. then I come in and, and I remember there was a talk where like I might actually stay outside and then I said there's no way I would let him go in alone. Like that's just not who I am. Like I would rather risk it with him than let him go by himself. So
1: Well yeah, I, I see you had this moment with your mom, you know, when she's laying on the couch and, and uh and and yeah. it's it's such a powerful moment um especially for anybody that comes from you know broken home or 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 a situation where you know it's just not it's dysfunctional uh and and it's very relatable but you uh you you handled that with such like a warmth and 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 realness so yeah that scene you're talking about and it's funny because you know Corey and I broke down every scene of the movie um so I, I, it's like it etched in our minds that that moment where you where you're like well, I'm not going to leave you man like this <laughs> you know and and I love that I'm like yeah see this is this guy is a G like he doesn't he doesn't <laughs> he's not going to leave his homeboy behind it's
0: just so cool Yeah and and that's I mean if you stayed outside I would have felt that that was unfaithful to the character you totally. know and it exactly. just it felt it felt completely appropriate felt completely correct in that situation. And if, if, uh, Woody had stayed outside, you would have missed like a lot of cool and inter- funny interactions in the basement where, you know, your yeah. character got scared by the light and stuff like that. And, yeah. uh, it was, it was just, it was a great, you know, scene and then the build up to the, to the reveal and everything. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. But, um, you know, in the movie, you know, you didn't have a lot of like one on one time with with uh, Rich Sommer who played Mackie um, yeah. d- until the end, uh, and, and you know, a lot of us we were all shocked by that be- because of how well he plays that character as well. And you know, and it's kind of also works because you know his character on Mad Men was a little you know wimpy or whatever, but it, it mm-hmm. but he is holy moly, he is fantastic when he makes that turn. Mm-hmm. Did you? did you purposely, did they keep you away from him until the turn or like, were you just normally like, you know, as an actor, were you guys all sort of together with uh, rich summer, you know, behind the scenes?
2: Yeah, no, we, um, me and rich actually hit it off pretty early too. And I, I still talk to him and we're, we're good friends and he's a, first off an incredible actor. Yeah. Like, yeah. If, if you could see it in summer of 84. You could see it in mad men. You could see it in the other, you know, hundred things he's done, <laughs> but He's, he's incredible. We didn't stay away. We actually, I, when I was on set, um, the longer I was spent there, I actually kind of shadowed the producers and things like that to try to learn more and learn more about filmmaking and had that opportunity on that set. So a lot of his scenes that he had, I was still there, um, watching and just like learning things like that. And we, we really hit it off. And, uh, we didn't we didn't get to spend a ton of time with him because there was parts I think where he'd actually come back to L.A. for his kids and uh, spend some time with his kids when he can. But when we went and made where the movie made that turn when we were out on that um, island, yeah, filming me and him, we got to spend a lot of time together. But those mo like I'm telling you, as intense as it looked like in the movie, it was just as intense on that island. Oof, like wow, it was it was incredible. We you know. It was there was no one out there. We we had a not a huge crew out on this island, so it was quiet and dark and like mysterious. And we would we just run and like have this camera following us. And then before the end of the the scene, I remember like just running through the woods alone, like really getting in it and like getting down in the dirt and like doing that whole thing. Like it it got really intense and it it helped because of how intense he was with it as well. And yeah, I mean, but we got to spend a lot of time together and I got to learn a lot from him. And he kind of mentored me in that period because that was the first film. Summer of 84 was like one of my first leads in a film. Um, And he kind of just gave me some pointers in career and, and moves to make afterwards and just all around just an incredible person
0: man i mean that that scene when he's when he's you know after he you know does the thing to your character and he's in the other character it's just he it's unbelievable you can't take your eyes you know away from it um but another thing we loved about the movie and this is something that we always notice in in our in the dumb 80s movies that we watch is they cast <laughs> like you know 30 year olds as kids but like at least here <laughs> yeah. It looks like, you know, you guys were all roughly around the age, you know, you're supposed to be. But even more so, uh, like, at the bowling alley, the background uh, actors were were actually Kids, age-appropriate yeah. as well. <laughs> like, it, yeah. it's it was so refreshing to see that, you know?
2: They they did. I mean, the um, characters played by uh, Graham and Judah and Corey, yeah. the other three guys, they're all, at the time, were, like, 16, 15, 16-year-olds. And I was 20... 21 maybe mm-hmm. um 22 and so i was the older one and the um the lead girl tiara she she was also in her early 20s as well when we were filming so we were the only two like older kids but then again they say in the movie there's a scene where we're sitting in the car yeah and, i love that uh, yeah he yells, he goes stop freaking out you look like you're 30 or something like that <laughs> yeah and like that's the one play we have at the fact that I am a lot older than these guys. But it's so <laughs> it smart like playing a 15-year-old. It's a smart
1: line but, though. Yeah, it totally really nails that scene cuz you're like, yes, you acknowledged it. I love that.
0: But we all had that kid in our high school that was that was bigger than everybody else, and I, I it, ne- it never it never took me out of it, you know. And like I said, we watch movies from the eighties, and it, these kids are supposed to be sixteen, but they're clearly like forty one with like full on <laughs> man chest hair and everything. It's like you're not sixteen, you know, yeah. tattoos. But but here it's like it felt refreshing, and and it was great. But but also it was also the chemistry between you know the four main leads and and the young lady. Um, it was your all's chemistry that just. I mean, that's what makes the movie right there. Uh, Did you guys all click behind the scenes too? Did you guys all meet up like you know before the movie started being filmed? Did you guys like get together to try to build that bond or anything?
2: Yeah, I mean, I give full credit to the production staff and everyone that was involved in getting us all to Canada (laughs) where we filmed. Um, They they had us set up. One of our first days, the first day we really met, we did a table read um and kind of got close there and had some time to spend time together we we actually rode bikes around the the studio because we were testing our bicycles for the film Yeah, as one Um, would yes yeah (laughs) Uh, so we, we got to do that and hang out a little bit there and then they had us like a couple little like parties to hang out like a like cooking out like the head of the studio actually brought us over to his house which was um near the beach and he had like we grilled out and hung out all day spent that time together we did an escape room we I think it was I think I had the idea and I said you know we need I told the producers I was like we need to do something so I can really like we can all connect together because I was like we all kind of have our own lives and have our own like techniques and stuff we get into filming and I was like before we start filming I was like why don't we like set up an escape room or something where we just lock ourselves in a room just the four guys and just try to figure out how to work together. And oh, so we did it and you made your own. No, we, we, we went to one. We oh, found okay. One, okay. Um, in Vancouver and, and we went to it and they, they had scheduled it out for us. And yeah, we went there and we went to like the hardest escape room they had. Like we, I don't know how long we had in there, like an hour or so. And I was like, with after it, after that moment, I think that's when we all got way closer because we, we were able to communicate and a lot of people don't think about when filming especially when you're in scenes with other people you have to communicate yeah. you have to you have to say exactly like what you're wanting or what you're trying to get to or what if you need some other like emotion to get you somewhere when it's like on your close-ups or whatever so i think the escape room actually did help our communication and everything else like that so i credit that to there, but we oh, did nice. become really close friends.
1: That's really cool. Yeah. That's a great way to bond with, uh, with anybody. And uh, especially when you have to create a genuine warmth on screen, which you guys definitely did. Um, I mean, just the, sh- the scenes in, in the clubhouse and, <laughs> felt very relatable yeah. to Corey and I. We're just like, yeah, we've been there. We've been, maybe talked about the exact same things and uh, <laughs> had the same reading material possibly too, but that's a whole other story. I, I I was gonna I was gonna ask you really quick too, if you were familiar with the arcade game in the bowling alley, uh Polybius.
2: I'm not familiar with that. I know that um it had something to do with a possible other film that these writers were going to uh, um, oh possibly do in the future though oh well because we
1: we have a we have a good friend of ours uh, David irons who will probably appreciate the shout out but he uh, he wrote he's a writer and he wrote a book called Polybius but it's based on a video game in the early 80s uh, allegedly kind of put in by the government in, uh, in of kind of an
0: urban legend type of yes. uh, conspiracy theory type of thing yes which so, is okay. perfect for you know summer of 84 but to have in there sneak that in there
2: yeah. They placed it. They placed it um, for sure. That was. I remember that being a thing with the producers. They wanted that game,
1: right are you, there. Are you a gamer
2: by chance? Um, I, I I used to be a lot more than I am now. because it, you cause because you're like, working. Because <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to work as much as possible. Right. Um, I don't I don't play a lot of games. I got into I got into a Fortnite phase when that first came out because that was popular. Yeah. I really did it to play with my little cousin um he was big in it and he he lives in South Carolina and so when i was in LA it was a way for us to like hang out and get to play video games so we played Fortnite together but other than that i wasn't a big gamer i don't even have time i don't watch tv shows either which is awful to say as an actor no <laughs> no look
1: it's 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 a reality i think that some people you know so well, you don't watch tv shows well yo i'm working <laughs> so when you have your life filled with uh with stuff going on it's it's hard to really Find the time for those things, but um, I was going to ask yeah. you in in, in hunters, uh, in, mm-hmm. in in that same genre. Ask, but uh, the idea of uh, comic books because mm-hmm. you know your your character booty <laughs> booty hole, uh, which is such a great name by the way. I, I know I, I said know. it earlier, but and I know we talked about <laughs> it's it. It's worth repeating. Yeah, booty.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, we had so many. They called me, you know, they called me booty hole. They still. I mean, producers from that show, writers, and all the people there—they just call me "booty hole" for fun now.
1: <laughs> well, when you popped up on that show, and like I said earlier in the in the, in the interview, I was so excited. It was first of all the, the casting in that series is phenomenal. Um, yeah. It's it it is it's such a trip, especially for Corey and I, who are kids of the '80s. Who when when we were kids television you were either a tv actor or you were a film actor and not nothing in between right and and then if you toe dipped into television people go oh no your career what's happening to it right (laughs) uh and heaven forbid you make a movie that goes straight to video because you're you know you're in jean-claude van damme territory not that there's anything wrong with that i'm just saying (laughs) um and so you know here you have the the content on television now is so good it's it's dare i say sometimes better than what you see on the big screen um and, and hunters had this phenomenal cast and here and when you showed up i'm not gonna lie i was like well, that's the guy I want to see more of, you know yeah. um, but then you and then obviously your your character has an interesting, unfortunate arc. Uh, but but are yeah. you a are you are you a comic book fan? Did you read comics back in the day or anything like that?
2: I did back you know growing up, I remember comic books being a thing um, more like superhero comic books and things like that it was more my vein. I was a Batman fan, so. Um, was more into that. I know my character in Hunters. I work at a comic book store. You could see me wearing a lot of a lot of the shirts. Actually, fun fact: um, the shirts that were made for me to wear in the show were all like custom comic book like drawings. Oh, cool! Oh, so, cool. so those are not like you know we didn't buy those off of somebody. Like an artist actually drew yeah. those for specifically my T-shirts. I think I wore two different ones. Yeah, in the show. Oh, that's which really, really cool. Neat. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't a big, big fan of comic books, but I, I did enjoy them when I was a kid.
1: Well, a little enough, enough uh, for research, anyways. To, uh, to. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) and then and then obviously working with such a phenomenal cast. um, You know, did did you have any interactions with like Al
2: Pacino at all? I did. So one of my, I only got one scene with Al, um, which was it was in the comic book store he comes in and I have like an exit and then I come back and it prompts his exit type thing. Yeah. And I I remember the funniest line I think I've said to date to me anyway, is out in the show, Al Pacino's character is leaving the comic book store. When I, when I come in and I pass him, and I just say, Hey, and then I walk up to Logan Lerman's character and I say, who is that guy? And I think it's hilarious because it's Al Pacino, like, duh, like. But in the show, it's just it's it's good for the show, but it's hilarious to me because I'm like, that's the greatest. Like, I want to have my like reel or highlight reel or anything for the rest of my life open up with me passing Al Pacino, then looking at somebody. Who's that guy?
1: (laughs) Yeah, because 20 years from now, you can be like, yeah, he should be the he should have been saying the same thing to me.
2: Who's that guy? (laughs) He was he was a really nice guy. We we. We sat there. He he really likes to like break down scenes before we film. And mm. I remember one of the producers came up to me, um, standing there, and introduced me to him and shook my hand. Was very polite, and we talked for a minute, and then we went our way and did the scene. Because he's he's getting older, and he's you know he's done so much work that I think that like when watching him and like him break down scenes and stuff, his technique it's it's kind of incredible so he needed his time to get get back into his character after we broke out of it and talked for a while but he was a really nice guy
1: yeah i can only imagine too uh you know being being in the same company as, as somebody as legendary as that it's it's got to be a trip and and like you said having that moment where you're able to even give that little quick line it's like
2: yes i nailed it
1: <laughs> i know that's what
2: i said you know i don't know if i'll first off hunter's a lot of people don't know is al pacino's only tv show yeah i mm. think he did a, a little bit on um, another show a long time ago but this was his only tv show that he was like the lead of for an entire series um but yeah i, I said after i booked it and knew that he was going to be in it i said i this might this will be the only time i might work with him and
1: quite possibly he's going to yeah.
2: go down as one of the greatest actors we've seen in a long time or forever so getting to have that on my resume and being like, yeah, I worked with Al Pacino was really neat. And I went to an award show while filming uh, called the American icon awards. And Mm -hmm. I actually got to meet Robert De Niro as well there, which was really cool.
1: That's fantastic. And, and you, uh, you know, obviously currently you're uh, well currently because of our situation. uh, (laughs) Are you filming anything right now? Like I know by the time we, this airs, um, you know, Things could change in a day, in a minute. Who who knows? But yeah, uh, had had. Are you working now?
2: Currently, no. Um, because of you know the current world situation, they when they shut down production, they like everything shut down completely. over like right away. Yeah, they are on the rise to starting back again, which is good. Um, I know a lot of like the soap operas have started back. They've tried to film, they're trying to film some films. Um, The studios I know have put out their um, protocols and things like that to get back going. Um, So the only thing that I know that's on my horizon is um, Good Girls season four is getting close to starting back. We normally start filming in October. I don't know when or if they'll push it because of what's going on, Yeah, but um that's kind of been it for me i I, i've recently started to get to read for some more projects and some more films that were coming up um which was fun and refreshing to finally get to do after you know three or four months of nothing (laughs) Yeah, right uh so it was good to to get some scripts in and get to read some things and you know audition for a couple things but i think we're getting there we're getting back into it i think um Give them another month, and I think you'll see all the shows kind of being back filming. Well, Good
1: Girls has been, I mean, you've, you've, (laughs) that, that show has been going on for, for a couple seasons. Like you said, four seasons now, right? Well, three completed.
2: They they finished three, um, well, they cut short three because of the, because of COVID. They had to stop filming, um, I want to say around like the 10th episode or something like that, 10th or 11th um they had to stop filming they were supposed to shoot 16 so they shortly after that got shut down and they called off the rest of the season they announced that they were doing a season four which was good news so for yeah, sure they, they've been on air for the past three years and we're going on four
1: and you've had a lot of success with that show obviously
2: yeah i did i, I remember booking it and it was only going to be like a two mm-hmm. episode guest star role when i first booked it oh and really it's yeah, it's turned into. I think I've done 13 episodes, now yeah,
1: yeah, according to IMDb, <laughs> according to IMDb, right? Who is IMDb, anyways? But that's a whole other story, so <laughs> no, that's great, man. I mean, so yeah, it's got to be such a weird time. We, we, uh, we had a filmmaker on earlier in the year, and his film was completed and was supposed to be premiered at South by Southwest, and then COVID happened, and uh, obviously yeah. that derailed the whole situation. And there's, you know, there's there's, there's multiple sides to this. I was talking to our engineer off the air about this, that, you know, there's nothing selfish in acknowledging the fact that you want to get back to work. There's nothing selfish in the fact that, you know, uh, things are hard for you, for your situation. We all have these individual situations that we're going through and it's, and it's equally yeah. challenging for all of us. And um, it, it's nice to know, uh, a a certain sense of normalcy comes back into an aspect of your life and it makes it (laughs) lifts that heavy load off you a little bit, right?
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, as simple as an audition, you know, a lot of people don't think about actors and I guess a lot of people look at actors as having this, um, it's like, well, they're all financially stable and yeah. they're all like, you know, famous and have maids and butlers and chefs and everything else. It's like, that's but of not, course. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's not exactly how all actors live. And so getting something as simple as an audition, knowing that like it probably won't film this year, probably mm-hmm. won't start till next year, but like having that sense of normalcy back and after having a three or four month of nothing. May, makes you feel good, gives you that hope. and to be honest, when you talk about coming back to it, you know, everyone has their things where it's either financial or you know they need the work and stuff like that. Actors, for me, if you take the money out of it, it's like I, I love what I do. Yep. I love to make movies and create shows and and do this stuff. and when you take something that you love away, you know, no matter what, you're going to want to go back to it, regardless of how you feel about the current world situation. I I want people to be safe, and I want to make sure we make the best decisions and stay the safest, but at the same time, like, I still want to go back to work as soon as possible.
1: Yeah, I love, uh, Corey and I both are doing what we love, and we are, you know, I, I used to, I know it's a little cliche, but um, the idea of follow your bliss, I'm a big Joseph Campbell fan, always have been mm-hmm. since I was a little kid, and yeah, uh, doing the things in life that bring you joy and the more joy you're bringing into your life. Well, it's like a ripple effect, right? It's, it's your, um, you're, you're, you're spreading that out to people around you. And so it's just nice to hear that. Yeah. Take the money aspect out of it. Obviously it, you know, we all need to survive and we need to do things that, yeah. uh, but to get by, but the fact that you're doing something you love and doing it very, very well, uh, thank is you. yeah, sincerely, I know we've uh, we've we've blown you up quite a bit <laughs> through this whole episode, <laughs> but uh, but it can't be said enough, man. Like, you, you really, I think you're really tapping into something. Um, I think it's only going to continue, uh, to 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 you know, spark more success in your life. Uh, I and and just thank you again for coming on the show and, and being a part of uh, the podcasting after dark family.
2: Yeah, yeah uh, and I, I appreciate
0: it. I was just going to say, I mean, I'm just going to reiterate what Zach says, but I mean, I we hope that, you know, uh, um, I'm sure I, I, we know a lot of people, you know, saw Summer of 84, but we hope that we can help, you know, boost the signal even, you know, even more. And I know it's on Shudder and everything, and Shudder's doing really well in the horror community. So I know a lot of people are seeing it, but, you know, like, like we said on the the review on the Summer of 84 episode, like, yes, it was a gut wrenching ending. Yes, you know, that, because of that ending, it's kind of makes it hard to sort of rewatch multiple times. But it's because of that ending that we think that the movie's going to have have legs, have staying power. But even more so in that the only reason, the only reason that ending works and that it's such a gut punch is because of how much we all loved Woody. And that's because of what you brought to that character. And I, I mean, I, I just absolutely adore that character, and I adore that movie. So, so thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for giving us Woody, by the way, even if it was
1: short-lived. <laughs>
2: I appreciate
1: that. I appreciate it. You can always, um, you know, glue can do wonders for wounds. I'm, I'm not, I'm not I'm still, like I said, I don't want to spoil anything, but i You never well, know. Well, we I'm, joke
0: on, we joke on the episode. It's like when, uh, you know, when the main character is sitting at the hospital afterwards, you know, right before the the movie takes a turn, we're just like, we're on the episode. We're just like, just turn it off here, just turn it off here. Everything's fine. It's still a great movie. It's a wonderful movie. It's a happy movie. Everyone's happy.
2: Yeah, I always mess with the writers, um, Matt and Steve. I say, you know. I love the movie but you guys can't make a sequel you can only make prequels to the movie. Yes. Yes. On. I'm okay I, with a prequel. I'm okay. We could with do that. summer 83 and then we could go yeah. back from there until we were toddlers. <laughs> Well, I,
1: I I just want I want to ask you one quick question about that. Was yeah. speaking of the writers. So, was that always in the script that that's the way that it was go, it was going to go down?
2: Yeah, I mean, it was always in the script from from the script that I got um early early on. It was it was there. Um that was the that was the plan. Um, they said from the beginning when they were casting, they said one of our biggest goals was to make, like you were the biggest um, part that we wanted to cast correctly. Mm. Because like you guys said, you I, Woody needed to be a character that people loved and that people really attached themselves to going through maybe either being relatable or being able to relate a friend of theirs to going through the whole movie. So... It was always a part of the script, and it was always a um, a big deal to make sure we got Woody correctly. And, and, I'm, and it, I'm glad like I was the... tasked with that. Yeah
0: and i think one of the great things about it is is that you know yeah they kind of, they kind of pick on woody here and there but it's never again like we see in the movies back in the 80s where it's all cliche there's the one kid they pick on blah 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 but you no know, it's it they all you could tell also loved woody and they didn't really pick on him that much and then like but also woody gave it back too so it felt like it just felt like a very balanced relationship and and between the the four of you know the characters and it also which made it feel very you know uh relatable and and realistic because because, you know, as guys, we all had those groups where, you know, one second you can be alpha, but if you make a mistake, then everyone's going to rib on yeah. you. And yeah. then the second that you can kind of divert it to somebody, I mean, that's just the way boys are. And, yeah. and this, the movie nailed that aspect perfectly.
2: And that's 100% fully credited to the writers, Matt Leslie and Steve Smith. They killed it. I mean, they they did so well. And and writing it, and we got it was the getting the chemistry with the boys was one thing, but being able to be told what we were supposed to say made it so much easier to portray on screen. And and Matt and Steve did such a good job at that.
1: Yeah, I think that's why this, like I said in the beginning, that's why this movie uh, will stand the test of time and will be looked back years from now as as a as as a uh, you know it's a benchmark movie for like kind of
2: retro, uh, what do you call it? Um, you know, period pieces. Yeah. 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 And then to also touch on Matt and Steve, just to give them a quick shout out, they just wrapped filming during COVID their movie called the knocking, uh, which is, they're going to be their directorial debut. Oh, sweet. So, If you love summer of 84, I read the script knocking a while back and it's incredible. So they got a great cast. Um, just finished wrapping I want to say like a week or two ago so they that that's going to be coming out soon too so make sure you guys watch out for that and everyone listening make sure you you watch that as well
1: well you're you're not in it so why no I'm kidding
2: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I'm not in it but you got to support good movies no totally
1: totally and you know I just dawned on me too uh this idea does is it a is it a period piece as well does it take place in the 80s
2: no no it's not a period piece it is a horror film though so nice nice oh, and, and real quick do you, do you
0: have a, um a preferred genre that you like to watch i know you said you liked uh, a comedy to work in but do you have a prefer film genre that you you enjoy
2: i you know i i'm i love working in comedy and i love watching comedies i i who doesn't really like to laugh that much yeah but yeah. Um, I'm really into like shows or movies that make you really like think Mm. like hunters did it really well. I mean, you were always kind of on your toes being like, who, you know, what's going on. And I like those type of movies and shows. Like I like it to be, to make me sit there and think like inception was like you were watching inception. You're like, Holy crap. The entire time. Yeah. You like, I like that kind of. I don't know what genre you would say, like suspense maybe, yeah, or thriller. Yeah, you could put that in. Thriller, yeah, like things like that. I, I really enjoy those kind of films.
1: When, when you uh, when you start watching television again, which will be never because you'll <laughs> always be acting all the time.
2: <laughs> let's hope. Let's hope.
1: Caleb, man, seriously, like t- to have you on was uh, beyond a treat. It was really an honor. Sincerely, uh, it means so much that you could come on the show and and you know take take some time out of your day and. Um, to do this interview. Thank
0: you. Of course. Yeah.
2: I appreciate it. I'll do it anytime.
0: Caleb, this was awesome, man. Seriously. Like, like Zach just said, I don't know what else to say, but like, <laughs> freaking, I freaking loved you in summer of 84, man. So <laughs> this was just, this was so freaking awesome, dude. Seriously, man. Seriously. Thank you.
2: Thank you, guys. I appreciate that.
0: <laughs> hey,
1: uh, Caleb, th- thanks again for for coming on the show, and uh, we'll, we'll be in touch and talk to you soon. Thank Perfect. you, sir. Thank you, guys. Take care. Thanks. Yep. Bye. Bye thank you for listening to podcasting after dark's exclusive interview series with caleb emery and as always thank you for your support
2: It's killer, Polybius. From David Irons, the rider of Nightwaves, the real terror begins. Polybius. Available now from Severed Press.